Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast. I'm Arlo. I'm Kelly. And you're listening to Crazy Hexy Ghoul. A podcast about everything from the peculiar, the curious, to the bizarre. So join us as we obsess over ghosties and shit. Did you say ghosties and shit? Hell yeah, I did. Okay, you guys, shit's about to get real. Hey, you guys, thanks for coming back to another episode. Yeah, welcome, everyone. All right, so, you know, we have to do what we say we're going to do and talk about Halloween. I know you guys love Halloween just as much as we do, so it just feels right. So the other day I was thinking about movies that you could watch around Halloween time that weren't exactly about Halloween, but just kind of fit the Halloween vibe. So the movie I was thinking about is The Wizard of Oz. That's a really good one. Right? Seems pretty fucking Halloween-ish. Yeah, I would totally watch that around Halloween. So I have one. Spirited Away. Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. That is. Definitely Halloween vibes. One of my favorite movies. So I've got another one. I was thinking about Ghost. Have you seen it? I haven't seen that one. <laughs> it has Patrick Swayze, Demi Moore, and Whoopi Goldberg in it. Definitely an awesome movie to watch. You guys should watch it for this Halloween. I have another one. How about Penelope? Ooh, actually, we just watched Penelope the other day. I love that movie. So another movie I thought would be really cool to watch around Halloween is The Labyrinth with David Bowie. Oh, The Labyrinth is so good. It is. Have you ever seen Pan's Labyrinth? Yes. Luckily, I haven't ever confused the two, but I've heard people that have. That's strange because they're made in two different eras and they look different. The cinematography is different too. The plot's completely different. One's really dark and the other one's not as dark and it's more whimsical. Yeah, true. Gotta love David Bowie. I'm going to go with Gremlins. Okay. I could see that one for sure. Technically, it's more of a Christmas movie because it happens on Christmas Eve, but I would say it would be considered under a not Halloween Halloween movie. Dude, I absolutely agree with you on that. So I've got one more, and I was thinking maybe The Goonies would be a good movie to watch for Halloween, not Halloween. That is such a good idea. I don't know why that's not a Halloween tradition of mine. Sounds like it's time to make it one. I think so. And I have one more. Lay it on me. Have you ever seen Monsters vs. Aliens? I don't think so. I feel like it has everything. It has cryptids in it. There's the swamp monster in it. <laughs> There's... Is the skunk ape in it? <laughs> no. That would be great. I would watch that movie in a heartbeat. <laughs> but no, this lady turns into a 50-foot giant and then starts crushing buildings. And then she gets kidnapped by the government and has to defeat aliens. It's wonderful. Sounds kind of dope. Yeah. Is it okay for a kid to watch? Oh, yeah. It's a kid's movie. Oh, shit. Okay. So I will let <laughs> watch that. That sounds like kind of fun. It is. It's a really good one. Very Halloween vibes. Halloween, not Halloween. <laughs> okay. So shall we move on to the episode, episode, episode? Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> this episode is called The Bloodletting Werewolf from London. Ow! <laughs> Please excuse me for my howls. Can't help it. <laughs> so Kelly... What are you going to talk about today? What kind of juicy stories can we sink our fangs into? I see what you did there. That's called foreshadowing. (laughs) Okay. Take it away, Kelly, please. Okay. So I'm talking about vampires, if you didn't guess from that little hint. I don't know anyone who doesn't know what vampires are. Hey, Kelly, what's a vampire? Well, let me get to it. 
(laughs) (laughs) Get to it now. I need to know. I've been living in a rock for a thousand years. Vampires are actually in a lot of different cultures, and they each have their own little characteristics about them. But the very common traits of a vampire, they're either undead or they're demonic, and they either drink blood or psychic energy. In folklore, they can be described as bloated, purplish, or dark in color. Blood is often dripping from its mouth and nose. They would either be found in their coffin or in their burial dress, with hair and nails that grow. I have a little note here that after death, your soft tissue will shrink and it makes it appear that your hair and nails are longer. Oh shit. So the secret to hair growth and nail growth is to just become a vampire. Fuck prenatal vitamins. (laughs) We're becoming vampires now. The new beauty secret. Really? Corpses. All corpses do that. So you don't have to. (laughs) Fudge! Oh my god. That's fucking creepy to me. Yeah, it is really creepy. Really anything involving death or dead bodies gets kind of creepy. I second that. That's some creepy shit. The original vampire folklore is said to have appeared in several different cultures and several different time periods. Vampires as we know it are said to have originated in Eastern Europe in the 17th and 18th century. But this belief has existed in Slavic culture since the 9th century, but it's likely older than that. Damn, that was a really long time ago. Yeah. So long ago. It kind of shows how long humans have tried to have tried to attribute stuff that is beyond our understanding to something more supernatural. Yeah, it's, I agree. It's really interesting to look at it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that She was. shrieks. I sure did. I am going to start talking about the great vampire epidemic. I'm super pumped about this. Let's go. Let's do this. The Great Vampire Epidemic started in the 1720s, or at least it was recorded to have started in the 1720s, in Serbia. So one of the locals, Petar Blagojevic, knocked on his wife's door and demanded she hand over his shoes. Problem was, this was 10 weeks after he died. You know, I feel like I've heard this before. It's a pretty common story. I know it was reported by newspapers at the time. This is all the account that the panicked villagers related to a military representative. Within days of Blackojevic's reported reappearance, eight villagers died of short, brutal illnesses. Supposedly, Blackojevic crept into their homes at night, laid on top of them, and crushed the breath from their lungs, thus sealing their fate. After a heated debate, the whole town of Kisilovia decided to march to the graveyard and dig up Blagojevich's body. According to the amazed military representative, there was not the slightest smell of death. The face, hands, and also feet, the whole body, were so whole that they, in his lifetime, could not have been more complete. And here comes the scariest bit. In his mouth, I did see fresh blood, which, after the general opinion, he had sucked from those killed by him. Okay, this guy really sucks. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, 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 uh. I would not want to be a person that lived in this town whatsoever. Not gonna happen. Well, a lot of this small, poor town was afflicted by illness. Because there's a lot of stories like this where the townsfolk get ill and one of the people who died of this illness, they'll dig up all their graves and whichever one looks like they're not decomposing, they'll basically try to destroy the body and they'll mark them as a vampire. Just kind of like for good faith of the land type of thing. Yeah. Like keeping to, the soil clean. Well, not just keep the soil clean, but they'll try to kill the vampire so he doesn't basically give this illness to anyone else. Yeah, so he doesn't like resurrect and be like, oh, I'm gonna kill the town. Like this Blugoyevich guy. 
Right, right. Does he, so he doesn't come back up and start drinking people's blood. Right. So if the town was inflicted by, like, disease, is it possible that this dude was putting them out of their misery? Is that a possibility? Is he a good guy? Like, why am I painting him to be a good guy? Because vampires are not good guys. To be perfectly honest, I think a lot of these vampire accounts are people just not understanding basic biology. I think a lot of these corpses, they don't understand what happens at decomposition, and they're digging them up very early after they're starting to decompose. So it looks like Mm -hmm. their hair is growing, and it looks like there's fresh blood on them. Right. And they look kind of reddish when it's just their body bloating. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. And it's kind of the same thing along the lines with blood around the mouth and nose. That's actually kind of common with just a general corpse that can happen. Yeah. Especially because back then I assumed they didn't have Emmys and they didn't have people who cleaned up corpses and they just, you know, just kind of put them in their coffins and stuff. They just put them in a box. And I'll get into some of the theories that are behind vampires and why people attributed stuff to vampires, but I'll get into that in a little bit. Okay, cool. So I do have another story. A few years after this Lagoyevich incident, there was a highwayman named Arnold Pale who was entertaining the locals in his central Serbian village with tall tales about a Turkish vampire he'd known. The vampire had bitten him, he claimed, but he'd taken precautions against infection by eating dirt from the vampire's grave. Okay, what the fuck? Does this go into detail as to why he did this? Um, Seriously, I need to know. I don't think so. I think it was just someone probably did bite him. That... There is no doubt in my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Some old rabid human was like, I'm going to eat that skin. And actually, I'll go into some of the diseases that people link up to vampirism. And rabies is one of them. So he could have been bitten by someone who had rabies. Okay. So he gets bitten by a vampire. He said he had taken precautions against the infection from eating dirt from this Turkish guy's grave. It's not really a smart thing, I don't think. That wouldn't be my first leap in logic, at least. I wouldn't think so either. (laughs) He's obviously not in his right mind. No, I don't think he was either. I don't think you would be surprised, despite his efforts. His untimely death in a farming accident led to him rising from the grave as a vampire. Okay, what? What? Yep, so didn't die by disease or infection. Got off in a farming accident, okay? I don't know what accident (laughs) it happened. Could be goats, I don't know, but... We don't know what had happened at all. He started rising from the grave. He went on a killing spree that was even deadlier than Blagojevich, with more than two dozen people dying within just a few months. Okay, wow. <laughs> That's weird. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. He, he did that. He, he killed those people. Yeah. As with Blagojevich, the villagers doodily dug up his body. The apparently recomposed pale was gasping as they drove a stake through his heart, which was probably just air being released from his lungs. That's yeah, it. because modern medicine tells us that. That's how decomposition works. Yeah. And again, this is not uncommon for people not to know how corpses decompose. You're right. They're just not being like the scientific evidence they need to understand what's happening. Yeah. Absolutely. So I have two diseases that were largely responsible for the deaths during this period, pellagra and rabies. Okay. I've heard of rabies. I haven't heard of pellagra. Okay. So pellagra is a disease caused by an imbalance of niacin B3, 
basically. In tryptophan, it can cause a variety of symptoms, including sensitivity to light, leading to a corpse-like appearance to the skin, foul breath, anemia, and several other symptoms that link with vampiric lore. The trait of foul breath, for example, is believed to have derived from the experiences of this disease in Eastern Europe at the time. Rabies, which was also an epidemic at this time, is a virus that existed in Eastern Europe before the 18th century. Though information concerning earlier time periods is scarce, we likely possess a wealth of data from the period of the Great Vampire epidemic that links rabies to a large number of deaths in Eastern Europe where vampire hysteria was particularly strong. Several hundred cases of the disease were spread initially by rabid wolves and then in at least some cases people. The wolf and the vampire have a well-known link as being a creature that vampires can change into, but further the disease is spread through biting. Victims avoid sunlight and they can be repelled by strong odors, garlic being a possibility. Yeah, I think we all kind of know the whole garlic story. Kind of sheds a little bit more light on the garlic situation yeah because that shit is pugnant it is i've always thought it was weird that vampires wanted to avoid garlic so in that regard it makes a lot of sense but also, garlic just smells so fucking good. It, it does. really do. Oh, yeah. I love garlic. I'll put garlic in everything. It says two cloves in a recipe. I put minimum 10. <laughs> okay. Dang. I do have another story of the great vampire epidemic. This one is called Mercy Brown Vampire Incident of 1892. So we're over 150 years past the last couple that I told. And I believe this is in a different region too. Started with Mercy Brown's mother, Mary Eliza, who's the first to die of consumption, or TB, followed by her older sister, Mary Olive, in 1886. In 1891, Mercy passed away from the disease, and her brother Edwin contracted it. Rumors spread that it had to be that someone in the family was a vampire for Edwin to contract it. George Brown, the father, gave permission for people to exhume the bodies. They checked everyone's corpse. Mercy was the only one that showed no signs of decomposition, still had blood in her heart. As superstition dictated, Mercy's heart and liver were burnt, and the ashes were mixed with water to create a tonic that was given to the sick Edwin to drink. Okay, that's some next level shit right there. Are you drinking the ashes of your sister or brother who has passed? Are you doing that? Would you do that, Kelly? I don't think so. Okay, have you seen that lady on, what is it called? My Strange Addiction? Yes, I have. She ate her husband's ashes. Good lord. (laughs) Yeah, that's a very strange addiction. Also, she's probably not a strange person. She probably lost the love of her life and didn't know how to deal with it, so she consumed his ashes. No big deal. I mean, people have done worse things. Oh, yeah. Oh, people have absolutely done worse things. But it's more of a morally gray area, I feel like. I wouldn't do that. So, you want to know what happened to Edwin? Um, I thought that was the end of the story. I didn't realize there was more, but yes, please. I need to know. So, he drank this drink, this concoction, as an effort to resolve his illness and stop the influence of the undead. He died two months later. Did that stuff make him even more sick? He was probably so sick with TB. Yeah, probably. Consumption's an awful illness. Poor guy. What remained of Mercy's body was buried in the cemetery of the Baptist Church and after being desecrated. Parts of her body was mutilated and burned and then they buried her in a Baptist Church cemetery. Oh, fuck. Yep. Okay, that shit was wicked. The stuff they did to bodies back then is insane because now in the 21st century, you respect the body right. of a dead person. Like, it's... it's Back 
then you did too. So being desecrated was like a very like that person did something really bad. Because I know in Catholicism, or, if you're if you're super super bad, or they think that your spirit or soul is unholy, they do requiems for you. They sing for you in the church for hours just to help your soul get into heaven. So I'm gonna go on. I'm gonna talk about how people in folklore became vampires. You probably know the major one, being bitten by a vampire. Yeah. Classic. Can't go wrong. You can also become a vampire by sorcery, improper burials. Okay. If you were a witch before you died, or if you weren't an Orthodox Christian, in some instances in folklore, it's contagious. A cat jumping over a person's corpse. Okay, what? Uh-huh. Cats just don't know sometimes, man. That ain't right. What? Is it a vampire cat? It might be a vampire <laughs> cat. Why just a cat? That's my I question. Know. Could be a witch's familiar, too. Oh, maybe. Maybe they're like, this body's mine. <laughs> this is my witch, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Babies born with teeth were also considered to be vampires. Which also in the 21st century, we understand that that is a condition that has nothing to do with vampirism. Babies born on Christmas are also considered to be vampires. I know several people born on Christmas. I know. Next time I meet someone who is born on Christmas, I'm going to tell them this. One theory was babies born between Christmas and Epiphany, which is Three Kings Day. Honestly, I have never heard of this Christian holiday. Like, I've heard of Three Kings Day, but I have no idea when it is. I actually have it written down. It's... Depending on what you believe, it's either one of two days. It's January 6th or January 19th, which is a long time for babies to be born between Christmas and January 19th. So all those babies would be vampire babies. I'm sorry, why though? Why? Can you answer that for me? Just like, Um, why do they think that? I think it's considered a sacred holiday and those days are considered sacred. So any babies being born between those days are unholy. Think about all the babies that died because women tried to push their babies back up inside them like oh hell no my baby's not being born on this day i mean i've never had a kid but you probably know that's not something you can stop absolutely no as someone who has actually had a baby you cannot stop labor it comes whether you want it to or not i think what i meant by them trying to push the babies back is that trying to hold it in as long as they possibly could damaging the baby in some way i could i could see somebody potentially doing that to save their reputation in the life of their children yeah also in southern russia people who are known to talk to themselves were believed to be at risk of becoming vampires. Does it say like what year that is? Not really. From what I found, it was just a common belief in Southern Russia. half the people on the streets right now. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. Uh You know, Albert Einstein said that people who talk to themselves is like a sign of a genius, right? It's like how you regulate your feelings and emotions and like where you're going. But I guess in Southern Russia, at least back in the day, (laughs) (laughs) you were a vampire. Damn. So I have a list of vampire-like creatures in other cultures, and there are so many. I didn't even get halfway through the list with what I wrote down, but I'm just gonna name a few. In Mesopotamia, Lilithu, who is synonymous with Lilith, was considered to be a demon who is often depicted subsisting on the blood of babies. Have you ever seen Sabrina the Teenage Witch? Oh, yeah. Like the, I, the new one. Mm-hmm. There's a demon in it who takes over hell, and her name is Lilith. She's the demon baby chick. The queen of demons, I think. Yeah. So in ancient Greece, Impusa, who was known to shapeshift into a woman or beast that would seduce men and drink their blood, and Lamia, who ate babies, and there was Streaks, which is very similar to the ancient Roman Streak. They had the body of a bird, and they fed on flesh and blood. All of these creatures were all undead. Sounds hot. 
ancient India, there was Vitalis, a ghoul-like being that inhabited corpses, and these are associated with modern-day vampirism because they hang upside down on trees found in cremation grounds and cemeteries. That's pretty dope and Mm -hmm. weird and strange. It is. Okay, so I play this game called The Witcher, and this is kind (laughs) of where the tale comes from. If you've ever played The Witcher or have seen it, in Albania, there's this creature called the Striga, and Mm -hmm. it's a vampire-like creature. Is that the, like, toss a coin to The Witcher type situation? I've never seen it, but I heard people like talk about it. Yeah, that's a song in it. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Cultured. <laughs> So, Strika is a vampiric witch in traditional Albanian folklore that sucks the blood of infants at night while they sleep, then turns into a flying insect. Traditionally, a moth, a fly, or a bee, only the Striga herself could cure those she had drained. The Striga is often pictured as a woman with hateful stare, sometimes wearing a cape, and a horribly disfigured face. In Albanian folklore, there is also the Dampir. The Dampir literally is translated to tooth drinker, and in association with Balkan folklore, folklore. It means the vampire son, so the offspring of a vampire. And there's a lot in depth with that too, but I'm not going to get into it. Okay. So in Romanian, there's the moroi, which are dead people leaving the grave to draw energy from the living. In Romanian folklore, there are two types of strogoi. There are live strogoi, which are described as living witches with two hearts or souls, sometimes both. Live strogoi were said to have the ability to send out their souls at night to meet with other strogoi and consume the blood of livestock and neighbors. Similarly, dead strogoi were described as reanimated corpses that also suck blood and attack their living families. That's just rude, man. Yeah, it is. <laughs> hey, mom, let me suck your neck. <laughs> <laughs> Not gonna happen. Don't care how thirsty I am for blood. No, no, no fucking thank you. Writing <laughs> <laughs> off the Romanian legend I was just talking about. There is one Romanian legend on how to find a vampire. I thought this one was weird, but kind of interesting. So you need a seven-year-old boy and a white horse. That's very specific. <laughs> very specific. The boy needs to be dressed in white, placed upon the horse, and set loose in a graveyard at midday. So around noonish. Okay. Watch the horse wander around, and whichever grave is nearest to the horse, when it finally stops, is a vampire's grave. Unless it starts eating something, then it's probably, there was something edible there. Yeah, like it's grazing. Right. That is so weird. I'm sorry. I don't understand it. I don't understand it either. That's just so strange. That's one I found on the internet, and as we know, the internet is always right, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's always right about all of my medical conditions I feel like I have. Thank you, WebMD, for always diagnosing me correctly and accurately. I'm dying, by the way. They're the real MVP. (laughs) Yes. Okay, so there's a couple ways to destroy vampires. To protect the survivors and ward off the effects of consumption, bodies of those who had died of the disease were exhumed and examined. The corpse was deemed to be feeding on the living if it was determined to be unusually fresh, especially if the heart or other organs contained liquid blood. Again, the culprit was identified. There were a number of proposed ways to stop the attacks. The most benign of these were simply to turn the body over in its grave. In other cases, Families would burn the fresh organs and rebury the body. Occasionally, the body would be decapitated. Affected family members would also inhale smoke of the burned organs or consume the ashes in a further attempt to cure the consumption. Decapitation and dismemberment was popular. Wooden stake through the heart or a gravedigger's spade. Silver was supposed to burn vampires and sunlight and burning with fire were also really popular. Yeah, I know the stake through the heart and linen stuff and the silver bullet to the heart or yeah, those whatever are, it was. 
Yeah, those are all pretty popular, especially in pop culture. Very iconic, for sure. Oh, something they also did is they would nail down coffins to make sure the vampire didn't escape. That's trippy, man. It's really weird what people used to do. So Um, strange and so creepy. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Weird, but I love it. So to end off my little story, I'm going to talk about vampires in literature and pop culture. Sounds fantastic. I'm going to miss a lot because there are so many, but I'm just going to say a few of the big ones. There's, of course, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Mm -hmm. Interview with a Vampire by Anne Rice, Salem's Lot by Stephen King, Nosferatu, A Symphony of Horror, which was a 1922 silent film. Black and white, and it was amazing. Mm -hmm. I remember that one for sure. So there was Carmilla by Joseph Sheridan. And if you don't know, it's a story narrated by a young woman preyed upon by a female vampire named Carmilla. It's basically a lesbian vampire romance that was written 26 years before Dracula. I'm sorry, that's hot. Yeah, it is. (laughs) That's amazing. I would love to get my hands on this book. But you did say it was a book, right? Yeah, it's a book. book. It might be a movie. Um, I know it's a book for sure. There's a Twilight series. Who doesn't know Twilight? Yeah. There's another book series called the Southern Vampire Mysteries or the True Blood series. It's also a TV show. Yeah, you gotta love True Blood. Sookie <laughs> Stuckhouse. Yeah, I like the later episodes. I'm not a fan of the earlier episodes of it. I've only seen like the first season, maybe part of the second. So although I do like True Blood, I haven't seen enough to like say if I love it or not. Yeah, that's understandable. Okay, so there's Lost Boys. Good movie. Great mm. movie. Vampirina. <laughs> My daughter loves Vampirina, so I absolutely know. So I absolutely have seen Vampirina before. It's kind of cute. I'm not going to lie. It's adorable. So in the show, she can turn into a bat, and then she flaps her wings around, and she says, oh, no, I'm going batty. So she calls it having the baddies. Aw, that's cute. Yeah, sometimes Tallulah will say that. Like, I'm going batty. And it's absolutely endearing and adorable and cute. I love that I have a child that's just as spooky and creepy as I am, who loves witches and all the good stuff. She is definitely your kid. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Best compliment I've ever had as a mother. Thank you. (laughs) So there's Blade, Dark Shadows, and there's Sesame Street. Can't forget Count Von Count. Yeah. One. Ah, 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 ah. Two. Ah, ah. I remember from when I was a kid, and I'm pretty sure my child has seen it also. She loves Sesame Street too. I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah, that's it for me. Wait, you know what I was just remembering? What I was just thinking about is it's that time of the year when they put out the fun cereals and stuff. (gasps) Count Chocula. I saw that in Target last week. I haven't tried it in my life, but maybe it's time to. Maybe this is a new leaf. Yeah, you should go get yourself some because they only bring it out one time a year. I'm on it. (laughs) Speaking of cereal. Do you put milk in the bowl first or do you put cereal in the bowl first? Cereal? I'm not a psychopath. Some people claim to put milk first in the cereal. I'm sorry, what the fuck? Not trying to shame anyone here, but tell me why. I don't understand it. But you don't know how much milk to put in it without putting the cereal in it. But like, honestly, I have no idea why people do this. You guys, if you are one of these people that puts milk in the bowl first before their cereal, please email us at crazyhexyghoul at gmail.com and please tell us why you do this. We really genuinely want to know. We want to understand because it's relevant in the world. (laughs) Understanding people is important. These are the important questions. (laughs) 
<laughs> Thank you for sharing about vampires. There was quite a bit I didn't know, and I'm glad that I know now. Education is important. Yay! So, when I was researching vampires, there was a lot of stuff that intersected with werewolves. And I don't think you can really talk about vampires without talking about werewolves. Yeah, I guess I really didn't understand how closely related they truly were. Saying that, let's get into it. The werewolf in European folklore is a man who turns into a wolf at night and devours animals, people, or corpses. But then he returns to his human form by day. Some werewolves change shape at will. Others, in whom the condition is hereditary, are acquired by having been bitten by a werewolf. The wounds will show in his human form and may lead to his detection. Belief in werewolves is found throughout the world. The psychiatric condition in which a person believes he is a wolf is called lycanthropy. In countries in which wolves are not common, the monsters may assume the form of another dangerous animal, such as a bear, a tiger, or a hyena. That's weird, I didn't know that. In French folklore, the werewolf is called the loup-garou. France was particularly afflicted with reports of them in the 16th century, and there were many notable convictions and executions of loup-garou. As a subject for the 20th century horror films, the werewolf tradition is second only to the vampire tradition in popularity. Werewolves are believed to turn into vampires after death. Folklorist Carol Rose notes that in ancient Greece, it was believed that a person could be transformed by eating the meat of a wolf that had been mixed with that of a human and that that condition was irreversible. Centuries later, other methods were said to create werewolves including being cursed, or being conceived under a new moon, or by having eaten certain herbs, or by sleeping under the full moon on a Friday. Weird. Or by drinking the water that has been touched by a wolf. It was also widely believed that werewolves could dress in a special protective wolf skin, though they had to remove it at daybreak and hide it. Oh, kind of like, um, what is it called? It's a type of legend that, like, they take off their seal skin when Mm -hmm. they come on to land, and whoever steals, whatever man steals their skin, Mm -hmm. basically get to keep them forever. Um, Oh, I've heard of this. Oh yeah, Selkie. If their magical pelt was found and taken from the werewolf in human form, he or she could be killed. So like their protective armor, just like you said with a selkie. Some scholars believe that the werewolf made its debut in the Epic of Gilgamesh, the oldest known Western prose, when Gilgamesh jilted a potential lover because she had turned her previous mate into a wolf. Werewolves made another early appearance in Greek mythology with the legend of Lycon. King Lycon was the first werewolf, and he ruled over the land of Arcadia. His palace was filled with gold, fine foods, and elaborate artwork. But there was one thing he did not have, and that was love. One day, King Lycon was hunting in the forest, and he came upon a small lake. As he approached, he saw a lady sitting at the edge of the lake, and she was singing a song. Her name was Fortuna. She told him she was distressed because she feared that she would never find a man to love. She explained to him that her father was too hard to please and he would not grant permission for her to marry anyone. He offered to marry her because no one would deny the king, or so he thought. He asks her who her father is, and she tells him it's Jupiter, the king of gods. So King Lycon vows to make him a huge feast to try and win him over. The king agreed to host him for seven days in the palace. Jupiter arrived on a cloud dressed in his best purple robe. Each day the king would try to engage the god and impress him with his wealth. He gave Jupiter great gifts of furs and perfumes, but Jupiter offered no more than a simple thank you. If King Lycon had one flaw, it was his temper. When he was pushed, it didn't take very much to set him off. 
Jupiter knew of Lycon's temper and didn't believe he was a good match for his daughter. In order to push the king past his limits, Jupiter insulted the king's mortality. He laughed at how puny and finite the king's life was. In retaliation, the king told his head cook to prepare a steak of human flesh, but to make it appear very appetizing. Then he could get back at Jupiter by tricking him into eating this unclean meal. Fortuna was out at the market when the king had his next meal with Jupiter. The cook served the meal as usual, but Jupiter immediately recognized the ruse. Jupiter said, You have insulted me by trying to bring me down to man's level. In return, I will bring you down a level. For you will roam the world in the form of a wolf this day forward. You have permission to marry my daughter, but I doubt she'll want to now that she can see the beast you truly are. Then Jupiter vanished to the heavens. King Lycon was horrified at what had become, and he ran to his bedchambers. Luckily, Jupiter's wife Juno was watching. Yes, I'll do whatever. Just please free me from this wretched form, said the King Lycon. Juno transformed King Lycon back into a human, but warned him that whenever he lost his temper, he would turn back into a wolf and that he would not return to human form until he calmed down. With Jupiter's blessing, Fortuna and Lycon were married and lived together happily for a few years, until one day Fortuna insisted that Lycon apologize to her father. Lycon became enraged and suddenly shifted into a wolf. Fortuna was horrified to discover his curse and finally believed that the King Lycon was a monster and then she fled from Lycon's kingdom. Little did she know that she was already with child, the very first werewolf child. That was a good story. And also she named her child Ash. So it was Ash the little werewolf child. Aww. I know, it's so sweet and cute. That was a really good story. Thank you, I didn't write it. (laughs) (laughs) Jupiter seems like such an asshole. Zeus-level asshole. In the story, it actually says that Jupiter's clothing, like his robes, were way more extravagant than the palace's self. He just rolled up, gold-encrusted, and just was like, hello. Head to toe. (laughs) Most expensive jewels. Yeah. And this motherfucker rolled up on a cloud and was like, what's up? (laughs) You need to prove to me that you can can provide for her. Yep, that's the first story that I could find of the first werewolf. The first werewolf, baby. That joke kind of came back on him. (laughs) Because now his grandchild is a werewolf. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so I'm going to talk about pop culture when it comes to werewolves. You know, there's a lot of pop culture when it comes to vampires. There have been a lot of movies and books written about werewolves, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) No! Yes! (laughs) Vampire werewolf, that's how it goes. Hence why we're doing this together. Yeah. In 1941, there was a movie called The Wolfman by Lon Chaney Jr. If you actually look at the wolfman picture, you'll look at it and be like, ah, shit, yeah. Okay, so in 1993, R.L. Stein was on the scene. If you didn't read an R.L. Stein book, were you even a kid? Like, really, honestly, were you? <laughs> Did you have a happy childhood? No. <laughs> I mean, it was like 50-50. Now, now, like, as an adult, it wasn't that bad. So, in 1993, R.L. Stein wrote a book called The Werewolf of Fever Swamp. And strange thing, he wrote 14 books about werewolves. I think he might have had an obsession with werewolves. Yeah, I think he wrote some books about vampires, too. I don't know how many, but he has over 200 books. Girl, I didn't even look to see about the vampire books. Oh, no, I didn't either. (laughs) I know he has. It's in one of the episodes of the Goosebumps series, the TV show. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure the werewolf at Fever Swamp, I'm pretty sure that's an episode on Goosebumps as well. It is. It's an episode, a book, and a movie. R.L. Stein wrote a book called The Werewolf of Fever Swamp in 1993. 
and it was William Blake is the main antagonist in the book. And he was a 12-year-old boy living in Fever Swamp. And at some point prior to the events of the book, he became cursed with lycanthropy. While in the form of a werewolf, Will terrorized Fever Swamp, preying on local animals. Interesting. In 1992, Daniel Oz Osborne and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, played by Seth Green. So on that show, he was a werewolf and he had to control his inner wolf. So in 1984, the movie came out called Teen Wolf. The main character is Scott Howard, played by Michael J. Fox. So iconic. Very iconic. In the film, Scott has inherited lycanthropy from his father, who is also a werewolf. I loved that movie as a kid. Have you ever seen it? I think I've seen it once. It's been a couple years, so, but I have seen it in the past. Yeah, he's on top of that van, and he's, like, going down the street, and he's like, yeah, he's, like, riding on top as a fucking werewolf, like a (laughs) boss. And as you mentioned earlier, there is the well-known Twilight book series, but in the movie New Moon, which came out in 2009, there was obviously Jacob Black, who was a werewolf. He was a shapeshifter, which he inherited from his tribe and his family. Okay, sorry to stop you right there. Are you Team Edward or Team Jacob, or neither? Okay, so Edward was designed to lure people in. Like, that's part of his charm, Mm -hmm. to kill people. Yeah. If I were Bella, let's say, and I met Edward, I would probably be attracted to him because he's fucking hot. Okay. I don't know. There's something about indigenous boys with long hair that just, like, really, really get me. So I'm Team Jacob. That whole wolf thing. I totally get Team Jacob. You know, growing up, I think I was a little bit Team Edward. Then as I grew older, I was Team Jacob. Now that I'm 27, (laughs) I am Team Bella's father. Like, he's a responsible adult. (laughs) He, like, actually cares about his daughter and tries to become the adult that she hasn't had. And he's got a good dad bod, not gonna lie. He's cute. His little mustache is super cute. Yeah, not bad. Chief Swan, give me a call. Okay, so we've talked about movies about werewolves and stuff. Let's talk about music and werewolves. Just some fun songs throughout history. There's the song by Tragically Hip called I'm a Werewolf Baby. And then we have CCR Bad Moon Rising. We all knew that one. And then there's the band Styx. They have a song called Witch Wolf. And the most iconic werewolf song, which is where we got part of our episode title, is Werewolves of London by Warren Zevon. Pretty dope. Nice Halloween classic for all of us. Also, while doing some research, I came across this cute little comic, and it's called Adventures into Darkness. It's a Golden Age mini-comic series that ran for 10 issues from August 1952 to 1954. It's like the DC comics and stuff. Oh, okay. I love the cover art for, like, 50s B-rated movies and stuff like that and comics because they're just so outlandish and, like, very dramatic. It makes me, like, want to watch it and read anything with the cover. Mm -hmm. I know you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. The covers are doing it for me. You know, I do that all the time. I know you shouldn't, but I do. So We learned nothing as kids. <laughs> so on the cover of Adventures into Darkness, it reads, We dare you to take these adventures into darkness. It's kind of cute. On the lower left side of the cover, it says, Flowers on Deborah's Grave. It's just adorable. I want to read it. So if anyone knows where to get this, please send it to me. Or like, I don't know, send me a copy because I want to read it. Okay, so I know you talked a little bit about how to kill a vampire. Very similar on how to kill a werewolf. You use a silver bullet straight to the heart, or you just remove the heart or the head, and that can do it as well. So very similar. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Just break that neck. (laughs) 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 Just, just, you know, squeeze that neck like you'd be squeezing a lemon. I don't know. (laughs) 
So there was a lot of content when it came to werewolves. Obviously, you know, because you did vampires and vampires are technically more popular than werewolves. So just cramping as much as I possibly could. I apologize. There weren't a lot of stories. So I think that's it for this week. What do you think, Kelly? So I have a little fun little quiz to do. I love fun stuff. Me too. I love those like BuzzFeed quizzes. This is from LA Mm. Times. It's 10 ways to tell if you're a vampire. That sounds fun. I always wondered if I was a vampire or not. Well, you get to find out today. Yay! I'm gonna put it on my resume. Number one, are you a nocturnal person and dislike daylight? Absolutely. I prefer night to day. Yeah. I like both. I'm a night shift worker, so I will hiss at the daylight. <laughs> the sun is my enemy. Right? I was also born at night, so I don't know if that makes me a night owl or not. Oh, okay. Well, that's a one and one for both, right? Number two. Are you a loner and tend to be secretive? Hmm. Well, yes and no. I'm part Scorpio, part Virgo, part Cancer. So yeah, I would say I got a lot of secrets. But I do like people sometimes. Not all the time, no. I would say I'm kind of a loner, but I'll keep other people's secrets, not my own. I'll tell anyone and everyone who will (laughs) listen. So one and a half for me. Is that one and a half for you? So that's two for me. Number three, do you naturally look younger than you are? Oh, hell yes. Nobody even guesses my age and I love it. That's another one for you. Not really so much for me. (laughs) But but Kelly, you're also really young. So that one doesn't apply to you. Eh, So I got one and a half. You got three. (laughs) It's looking promising for sure. Number four. Are you supermodel thin and pale? Why can't, what? (laughs) Why can't there be thick with two C's vampires? That's me. I'm thick. I'm the opposite. So three points for me. I'm not a supermodel. I'm 5'3 and I'm thick as fuck. (laughs) Nope. Uh, Yeah, I'm not supermodel thin either. So no, Uh, that's one and a half. Three for you. Five. Do you have elongated canine teeth? I do not. Kelly does. A little bit. Okay. Okay. Two for me. Three for you, right? Yep. Six. Do you have the need to drink blood anywhere from two drops to a couple of ounces daily, which usually comes from a cooperative giver? Absolutely not. Not in a billion years. No, sorry. Not for me. Yeah, me either. So just one and a half for me. You have two points, Skelly. You really don't want to be a vampire, Or two and a half. I guess not. Being immortal would be kind of nice, though. Seven. Do you have legal access to blood via a job at a hospital or a blood bank? I do work in a hospital, but I don't work close to the blood bank. Yeah, me either. I don't have access to it, so there's a no on that so, one. So, no. Do you have a strong interest in vampirology? Not really, no. I do. All but three and a half for me. I mean, I was interested enough to look up all that history about it, so <laughs> I'll count it. Okay, so you're half more of a vampire than I am thus far. So. Yeah. Do you have a voracious appetite for rare meat and an aversion to garlic? Absolutely not. I love garlic and I do not like my steaks rare at all. I'm pretty sure my blood is just garlic. (laughs) That's all that's flowing through my veins. Your heart's just one giant clove. (laughs) (laughs) It's a couple giant cloves, excuse you. (laughs) You got that four chamber clove tart. Yeah, do. Okay, this is number 10. We're almost done. Do you almost always dress in black? I am wearing black head to toe right now. Even my sandals are black. Um, I don't always dress in black, but I dress in black a lot of the time, so I'm gonna go with a yeah on that one. Half point or full point? Full point. No hesitation, full point. So, it's four and a half for me. How many for you? Four for me, four and a half for you. Okay. I'm a little bit more of a vampire than you. (laughs) Yeah. 
Was that out of 10? Yeah, that was out of 10. Okay, so it's safe to say that we don't even hit the halfway mark. So we're not really vampires. We have vampire habits. Maybe some of our ancestors were vampires. I don't know if I had to decide for myself if I was a vampire or a werewolf. I think I would be more of a werewolf than a vampire. Yeah. That's just me. That's fair. I guess that wraps up the show for today. I guess it does. You guys, we had a great time talking about all the spooky stuff. I live for this. I love it. Makes me so happy. Me too. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. The music in this podcast is by the band The Daddios. This is Kelly. And I'm Arlo. And you're listening to Crazy Hexy Ghoul. We'll see you next time. Is this it? Is this the end? Bye. Mm-hmm.